So we're reading from 2 Chronicles 20, verses 2 to 26. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them in the, at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Manser, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. 
So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Baraka to this day. Well done. That was brilliant. And now from memory. What a reading. Adam, you stitched her up there. That was awesome. But it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, this is the last in our series, Worship Fit for a King. I don't know if it's just me. I don't, think it, I don't believe it is, but I think the series has been phenomenal. Have you, do you not think that? It's really been good to, to dig into worship and understand it, both in the room and the culture that I think I believe we, we are seeing shift in the room, but also the impact of what worshiping does in the room beyond the four walls as well in our hearts as we take it out and we share it with the world. And uh, it's been great for us, I think, Adam and I, to see the impact this series has had. So I'm um, looking forward to series next year as well. But um, I'm just going to... We've got one video, I think. I think we've got one video from Jenna. Is that right? It's, um, we've been asking the church, what is worship to you? It's really good to hear, I think, just what the church perceives worship to be and the importance of each individual's worship experience. So let's just have a, a listen and watch this. Worship for me is a time of true humility and a time where I can come before the Lord and submit all that I have and all that I am to him and lay it all down despite the week that I may have had or the morning that I may have had. It is a time where I can come before the Lord and say, here I am, this is all I have and you deserve all of my worth and all of the praise that I can give you because he is so worthy and I think to be able to do that and to be able to submit everything to him in a form of worship is so, it's such an honour and it's such a joy. And I think, especially when it comes to musical worship, we are told, and it is shown right through up until Revelation in the Bible, it's constantly mentioned just to sing a new song to the Lord, to praise him and to give him shouts of joy and to play tambourines and cymbals and the flutes and whatever musical instruments we can have and however we choose to worship the Lord that is how we should do it and I think we should do that in an undignified manner we see that David danced before the Lord in an undignified way he wasn't worried about the judgment that he got he said I will do that again because I will make myself look like a fool because it is for the Lord and it is only for the Lord and I think that is the worship that our God deserves and I think that that's the worship that is so true and it's so pure when we're not worried about what's gone on in the past week and we're not worried about what the person might next to us might think about. It is solely focusing and fixing our eyes on him no matter how we choose to worship, whether it be through instruments up on a platform or whether it's from the congregation, it is saying, Lord, this is all that I am, this is all that I have, and you deserve it and you can take it. And I think when we worship in an undignified way, that joy that the Lord has given us and the spirit that he has given us, it overflows and then you can you can just feel the Holy Spirit in the room because we haven't let anything get in the way of that. And I think 
yeah, that's the worship that the Lord wants and that's what he requires and that's what he deserves. And I think it's such a joy and it's such a privilege to be able to worship him in that way. So, yeah, and to be able to do that with brothers and sisters in Christ in such a safe space is such a joyous thing as well. Thanks, Jenna. Let's just pray for Adam as he brings us the word today. Father, I just thank you for the privilege it is to be able to worship you, to bring you praise, Lord. And uh, Father, I just pray right now that in your presence you will just anoint Adam with the words you want us to hear this morning. That it will all be from you and uh, that you'll give him the ears, the eyes to see where it is your spirit is pressing in, what it is that you want us to hear this morning through Adam. Fill him, anoint him. Give him strength, give him your wisdom. And speak loudly, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Jade, for taking on a uh, meaty reading this morning. Um, Jade has saved me the job of trying to pronounce lots of names, so I get to kind of just walk us through uh, this scripture a bit this morning. And thanks, Jenna, for your video as well. Like, it's been so good to hear the heart of uh, a number of our worship team, um, you know, even through our 10 talks a little while ago as well. Uh, it's not just about me and Jim talking about worship, but it's been so good just to hear how we're all engaging with that. And um, for those who may not have been around um, in, in recent weeks, we've been talking a lot about stretching forwards to the new things that, that God has for us, to all that he has for us, and beginning that um, in the place of worship. And we've been in this series that we've called Worship Fit for a King as part of our stretching, breathes uh, our worship night, been a really key part of that stretching as well. And it's been so awesome to see uh, so many coming for the first time um, to stretch their worship in a space where, you know, we've just got a bit more room um, when we gather at Breathe and a little bit less restriction as well. Um, and from the outset, we've rooted this series in this passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Not the one we read, uh, but one that we read right at the beginning uh, of the series where David, King David, has been uh, showing Israel the kind of worship that is fitting for the King of Glory. And just, I want to take a moment just to recap our, our series uh, for a minute because we began in a place where we were saying, well, fitting worship, it looks like God, it looks like us bringing our highest honor to God. That as we gather together as a church, we want to be doing that to enter into His courts with our highest praise. We then talked about reverent submission. Um, and we were saying we want to be gathering to give the Holy Spirit full authority to change us into his likeness. We talked about extravagant expressions, saying we want to gather to practice being a window to the work of Christ, filling our environment with the fragrance of Jesus. And we talked about wholehearted devotion as well, saying we want to gather um, to touch the heart of God and to apply ourselves to the things that matter to Him. And this morning we're, we're picking up this focus of total dependence. I, I don't know if that's something that immediately kind of pops to our mind when we think about worship. But we're thinking about total dependence being part of this kind of worship that is fitting for the King of Glory. And as we've looked in previous weeks at David modeling this 
kind of worship, the manner of such worship in 1 Chronicles 16. Verse 11, David writes this. He says, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Now that word look in Hebrew can literally be translated to resort to or to seek. The word there is dorash as my best effort at pronouncing it. To resort to, he's saying, listen, it's a, it's a fitting part of our worship that we would resort to the Lord. That we would resort to his strength, that we would resort to his might, that we would resort to his power. In verse 34 and 35, David goes on to write this. He says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out. Save us, God our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. See, in those verses, I think David paints this this amazing picture of what I'm going to term like a, a layered worship sandwich. It's like he's saying it's entirely fitting that, that we are declaring the goodness of God. In our worship, and it's entirely fitting that we are giving thanks and we are giving praise and we are giving glory to God. But it's also entirely fitting that somewhere in the middle, right in the middle of these verses, it's entirely fitting that we would cry out to the Lord. It is entirely fitting that we would cry out to the Lord in face of trouble. It's entirely fitting that our praise would move us to pray. That our praise would move us to ask of the Lord that he would save us, that he would rescue us, that he would deliver us. It's like David is urging Israel in these moments, come on, don't let your situation silence your praise. Whatever it is that might be going on, don't let your situation silence your praise. But here's my central thought for this morning. It's like he's urging them, instead of allowing the situations to silence the praise, it's like he's saying, come on Israel, practice the kind of praise that will eclipse your problems. Practice the kind of praise that will eclipse your problems. See, earlier... Jade brilliantly read this incredible moment in the life of King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20. And as we were reading it, just for context on who this guy is, a few chapters earlier, 2 Chronicles chapter 17, we would read about this King Jehoshaphat in verse 3 to 6, that the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, because he followed the ways of his father, David, before him. Now, David's not literally his father, but he's his forefather. He's descendant from uh, David. He's come after David. And as we read on, we would discover that like David, Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. That Jehoshaphat's heart was devoted to the Lord. And that Jehoshaphat was diligent in removing idol worship from the land. It says he even went as far as removing the high places where other gods were being worshipped in the land. 
You see, Jehoshaphat was a king who imitated David's example. Of all that we've been reading in this series, the manner of worship fit for a king, Jehoshaphat was a king who imitated his example of the kind of worship that was fitting for the king of glory. And like David, he strived to cultivate this culture of praise among the people. Now as we join the story, we're joining Jehoshaphat on a really bad day. I don't know if we picked that up when we were reading the account. We're joining Jehoshaphat on a really, really bad day. I mean, that's probably a massive understatement. But he has just received some really, really bad news. There's, there's an alliance of three other nations that are coming against him and the people of Judah. There's a vast army that is already on its way to annihilate them. And I think somewhat understandably we read that Jehoshaphat was alarmed. Anybody else feel like you can empathize with Jehoshaphat in that situation? Understandably he was alarmed. Fear and anxiety are crouching at his door in this moment and yet... It's like all his striving to cultivate this culture of praise, this culture of worship, all of his time in this praise gymnasium, if you like, all of his stretching, all of his exercising, all of his practicing of praise mean that on this day, as calamity came, He's got muscle memory. He's he's got some muscle memory that somewhere deep inside his spirit, he knows intuitively what to do. And in the face of terrifying trouble, we read that he resolved to inquire of the Lord. We find the very same Hebrew words that David mentioned here, dor rash, meaning to resort to or to seek the Lord. See, this wasn't Jehoshaphat's last resort. He didn't go through all of the other motions before he chose where to resort. This was his first response. Praise was his first response in the face of calamity. And as he makes this response, we read that Jehoshaphat stands before the Lord. And he stands before the people of Judah. And he begins to speak out praise. Verse 6, we read it. He says, you rule. God, of all the nations, you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. He says, power and might are in your hands, God. No one can withstand you. No one can withstand you. See, he begins to practice the kind of praise that will eclipse the problem. And then we see that out of this praise flows a cry. And we read it in verse 12. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
In the flesh, we don't know how to solve this problem. We don't know what to do. But somewhere deep in our spirits, there's muscle memory. We know we have to fix our eyes upon you. I wonder this morning if it's a cry that we resonate with. I wonder if it resonates with a situation that we're facing right now. I wonder if it resonates with some bad news that we might have received in recent times. I wonder maybe if we find ourselves feeling somewhat powerless in the face of those things. I wonder this morning if we might find ourselves feeling like, I just, I don't know what to do. I've got nothing here. I don't know what to do. Or, or maybe this morning we might find ourselves sharing a situation that perhaps someone else has brought to us. We might find ourselves feeling out of our depth. Might find ourselves thinking, oh, I just, I don't know how to help. I don't know what to suggest. I don't know what to advise. Whether we resonate with that this morning or not, I'm sure we can all remember times where we have faced trouble. And I remember a time, there was a a young man who was a a new believer. He'd given his life to Jesus through one of our Alpha courses a few weeks prior. And one day he he picked up the phone to me and said, hey, can I come and see you? And I said, sure, come come and see me. So he came to see me. And and this young man, he he was an entrepreneur. He'd started his own business that had been flying. And as he came around to see me and he, he sat in the room with me, he said to me, listen, I'm in real trouble. He said, I'm, I'm in real trouble. My business is failing. And if something doesn't change by the end of this week, it's finished. I'm done. I mean, you, I, you need to understand, this is really bad. I've never seen anything like this. And I, just, I don't know what to do. What can you tell me? I'll be honest, I felt out of my depth. I said to him words along to the effect of, hey, listen, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The bad news is I know diddly squat about business. I've never run a business in my life. I've got nothing for you. I've got no wisdom to turn around your, your business that's failing. I've got no suggestion. I, I don't know what to say. But I've got some good news because I tell you what I do know. I do know that my God and your God is a God who's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, right? That's the God that you've just accepted into your life. That's the God that I believe in. I believe that he's able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And in the words of King Jehoshaphat, he rules and he reigns over every nation, over every business, over every problem. He rules and he reigns, and in his hands are might and power. And when we cry out to him, he's a God who saves, and he's a God who rescues. So we spend some time together in this room, and we begin to praise. We begin to declare the goodness of God, and we begin to cry out to the Lord. A few days later, this young man uh, comes bounding up to me and he says, it's amazing. You know, within three days of us 
praising and crying out in prayer. I've been given two job offers and a new business opportunity. I mean, talk about more than you could ask or imagine. This was such a formational moment in this, this young Christian, this young believer's faith. And I want to encourage us this morning. If we resonate with something of Jehoshaphat's cry, I want to encourage us to imitate his first response. Imitate praise being his first response and to practice the kind of praise that can eclipse our problems. So we return to the story of Jehoshaphat. Around about verse 13 and 14, we see that as he began to praise, the Spirit began to move. And we've said it in in recent weeks, haven't we, that our God is a God who inhabits the praises of his people. The first thing we see is that the Spirit begins to move on a man that, to my best reading, is Jehaziel. Is that how you pronounced it, Jade? Something like that. I'm sure we can all pick our own interpretation of that particular name. But the Spirit moves on this man and he moves him to prophesy. Verse 15, he says, It's not your fight. I'm paraphrasing. But the word of the Lord comes and says, Listen, Judah, this is not your fight. It's not your battle. And I think maybe some of us, we need to hear that word this morning over our situations. We need to hear that over some of the bad news that may have come our way, or maybe we've been reading it in the news. It's not your fight. There's a position for us to take up, but the battle belongs to the Lord. There's a position for us to take up, but the battle belongs to the Lord. That that emotional battle we're facing, that, that relational battle we're facing, That financial situation that's hanging over us, it's not our fight. The battle belongs to the Lord. But there's a position for us to take up in church. Don't we need to find our fight in the Spirit? Don't don't we need to find our fight in the Spirit in such moments? We cannot fix all these things. We cannot solve all these things. We cannot change all of these things. But there is a position for us to take up. We need to stand firm. We need to take up that position and make praise our first response. See, the next thing we see is Jehoshaphat bowing with his face to the ground before the Lord and before the whole of Judah. And every man and every woman and every child sees fit to follow suit and the whole of Judah is bowed before the Lord with their faces to the ground. And in this moment, the Spirit continues to move, and there's a, there's a bunch of Levites that the Lord begins to move, and while everybody is bowed with their faces to the ground, one after another, a bunch of Levites just begin to take their stand. And as they begin to take their stand, verse 19, we read, they praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. That's what it says. They praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. 
See, I'm imagining that just like they had initially imitated Jehoshaphat by bowing with their faces to the ground, I'm imagining that right now they're probably echoing something of his first response of praise. That like Jehoshaphat, some of their praise is is going to be along the lines of, God, you rule and you reign over the nation's power and might are in your hands. No one can come against you. They begin to practice the kind of praise that will eclipse the problem. You see, as Jehoshaphat made praise his first response, the atmosphere is beginning to shift. That's what Daniel spoke so brilliantly about last week, wasn't it? The way that our worship can shift the atmosphere. And as this atmosphere is beginning to shift, the spirit is beginning to move. As they begin to praise, the Spirit is beginning to move. And as the Spirit begins to move, the Lord is beginning to speak. And as the Lord is beginning to speak, praise is beginning to rise. And as praise is beginning to rise, the Spirit is beginning to testify within the hearts of the people to the authenticity of the presence and the power of God. And as the Spirit is beginning to testify, faith is beginning to stir. And as faith is beginning to stir, fear is beginning to fade. And as fear is beginning to fade, boldness is starting to increase. Because that's what happens when the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. That's what happens when the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. You know, I want to jump back to Zoe and I's story. We've shared some of that in recent times of how we'd kind of stepped out from my previous role into the unknown, not knowing what we were about to do. And I've shared a little bit about how we stepped out from the security of paid employment. Zoe's on maternity leave. We've just had a baby. The cost of living crisis is hitting. Our mortgage has uh, you know, gone up. Electricity and gas prices are going through the roof. The Lord's asked us to turn down some good job opportunities And coming into 2023, we've set aside these two mornings a week where we would just fast and we would pray together. And I want to be honest with you this morning, there was a point in our waiting where the weight of the responsibility as a father and a husband was weighing on me. There's one of these mornings where we've come to to sit and to pray and to fast And I'm just like, God, I don't know what to pray. It's it's like we've already prayed everything that I know how to pray. It's like I've run out of words to pray anything different. God, this morning, I I feel like I've got nothing. All I've got this morning, as we we sat that morning to pray and to fast, I just prostrated myself on our living room carpet. I said, God, all I've got this morning is this posture. And we put some worship music on. And as we sat, we gave God what we had in terms of worship. As we began to adopt that posture, the Lord began to speak. The Lord began to whisper in Zoe's ear. I want to honor Zoe this morning in a wonderful woman of God who in that moment was listening to the Lord. 
And as the Lord begins to speak, praise began to erupt. And as we sat in this, this room, this praise erupts from Zoe and, and, and suddenly out of the blue, she just lets out at the top of her voice, with a sleeping baby upstairs and neighbours in the adjacent house, she lets out this mighty shout, Jesus! I tell you what, something broke. Something broke in the atmosphere in that moment. She's not a shouty person if you've had a conversation with her. Something broke in that moment as she stretched her praise. In a flash, the Spirit's testifying within me. In a flash, faith is stirring. In a flash, fear is fleeing. In a flash, boldness is rising. And the Lord's beginning to speak into my soul saying, I got this. Adam, I have got this. Hang in there. This is not your fight. The battle belongs to the Lord. There's just a position for you to take up. Because that's what happens when the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, right? I'm enjoying the audience participation here, thank you. Love a bit of that. See, for Jehoshaphat, as the Lord began to inhabit his praises and the praises of the people of Judah, they come to this spiritual unity and agreement where they, the kings consulted the people and they decide that their best battle strategy is going to be to send out the singers on the front line of the battlefield. See, in these moments, as they decide to take praise to the front line, I think they're grasping that there is something, that this, this place where praise has been inhabited, this inhabited place of praise, this is our position. This is our position. We cannot leave this place. We have got to take this place with us. This is the best weapon. This is the only weapon we really have in this, or frankly, any other situation. So we're going we're gonna to fully trust in God. That's our resolve. We are going to put our lives upon the line. We are going to go and face their swords with our songs. Does that sound like a crazy strategy to anyone else? We're going to go face their swords with our songs. And the next morning they go out. They go out to, to meet the enemy. They take up their positions. They pick up their praise. And I wonder this morning if we can even begin to imagine the sound of the praise that they carry to the battlefield. Can we begin to imagine the sound of totally dependent praise on the battlefield the sound of, of people who are literally depending on the Lord for their lives. I mean, there's a time and a place 
for the kind of worship where we commune with the Lord, isn't there? Well, I think there's a time and a place for the kind of worship where we contend with the Lord. And as they began, this is verse 22, we read it. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the enemy. As they began to worship, the Lord began to work. And he began to take what the enemy had meant for evil and to turn it for good. He began to turn their problem into a place of blessing and provision. And we read that they never even saw an enemy soldier alive. And that it takes them three days to gather the blessing and to gather the plunder. And then on the fourth day, did you catch it? Anyone catch what happened on the fourth day? See, we could read over this. We could skip past it. But on the fourth day, verse 26, as they've come to a place of peace and of blessing, with joy and with thanksgiving, they return to the temple to practice the kind of praise that eclipses problems. Having stretched their praise, having lifted the intensity of their praise, having raised the threshold of their praise, they didn't get complacent, but they returned to keep on practicing, to continue practicing the kind of praise that eclipses problems. Maybe the worship team would like to come up. See, as our world continues to lurch from one crisis to another, and as we continue to face troubles of, of many kinds, it's the reality of the world that we live in, I just have this sense in my spirit that the Lord is wanting his people to find their fight again. The Lord is wanting his people to, to realize that the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not our fight, but that there is a position for us to take up. And I think it's a position of praise. And sometimes we have to walk into a situation carrying that praise. Sometimes we have to walk into a, a, a broken relationship. Sometimes we have to walk into a, a, a doctor's appointment. Sometimes we have to walk into a, a, a mortgage meeting or, or, or a meeting with our bank or, or whatever it is. Sometimes we have to walk into those moments. But our position is meant to be a position of praise. A position of praise that says, my God rules and reigns. And there is nothing that can stand against him. Power and might are in his hands. And in many ways, this series that we've been in as we wrap it up this morning, I mean, it's not the end of our stretching in worship. We realize that, I hope. As we wrap up this series, this series has really been all about positioning ourselves before the Lord. Positioning ourselves with honor, positioning ourselves with reverence, Positioning ourselves with extravagance and devotion and also dependency that we might put down the battle that doesn't belong to us and take up the position that does belong to us. We might practice the kind of praise that will eclipse our problems. 
and that our worship might make way for the Lord to work. So why don't we stand together? See, this seems like a fitting moment for us to worship. And I know the North are joining us on live stream. We're actually going to try something this morning where we're going to stay together um, as we enter into worship. Um, And I'm just going to leave this message sort of hanging and percolating in our spirits as we do that. Maybe some of us, we've got a very real battle um, before us. Maybe we've got bad news before us. Maybe some of us, we've got situations shared with us. Even if we're in a place of complete peace this morning, our world needs our worship. Our world needs our worship. And so we can begin to raise up and to practice and to stretch the kind of praise that can eclipse our problems. So we're going to take this first song together before the North family go and do their own thing. So let me pray for us. Father, this morning we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you never change. We thank you that you choose to inhabit the praises of your people. And God, this morning we choose to to stop talking about the problems and to start declaring your praise. Believing that as we praise, you move. Believing that as we worship, you work. And so we don't pretend that the problems don't exist this morning, but God, we choose to come and lift up our voices, to lift up the kind of praise that that blesses your heart, to take up the kind of position that you call us to take up a stance of resistance against the enemy. And we pray that you would free us this morning Free us this morning to engage in the kind of worship that doesn't just commune with you as wonderful as that is, but contends with you for the work that you are wanting to do. Lord, would you come and inhabit our praise, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.